Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I was confused though by Maggie's because there's this called Paris skyline and it's like, well, it's just strawberries. So I don't <laughs> know whether she'd initially thought that she was going to create this wonderful Paris skyline or whether she was off on a little trip of her own and thought when you slice into it, it looks like the sun setting over the Seine or something. But I thought, no, I can't see a Paris skyline in here, Maggie. <laughs> Hello and welcome back once again to the Bake Down podcast with me, Josh Landy, founder of Bake With A Legend, the company that gives you the chance to bake alongside former contestants from the great British Bake Off. Now, I wanted to let you know that we've got loads more brilliant online classes that have been added in the last week for you to check out. For example, Andrew Smith is back this Sunday, short notice, with his orange madeleine and biscotti class. Howard is going to be teaching a brand new spotted dick class, a very traditional English dessert. That's on the 7th of November. Dan Beasley-Harling had a hugely successful focaccia and ciabatta bread class last Sunday which is back and already not far from filling up for 13th of November. There are many others to check out bakewithlegend.com slash online classes. Remember to use the code podcast to get 10% off. It was of course dessert week in the Bake Off tent and whilst Paul Hollywood was disappointed with what some of the bakers came up with in the time they had been allocated, I very much hope my trio of Howard, Dan and Jane do not disappoint you in the time we have available today. So episode four, Dessert Week, I hope you'll enjoy this show. We kicked off this week by reading out some of the emails you've been sending us. Remember, we'd love to hear from you, whatever your thoughts. It's The Bakedown at Bake With The Legend. This is uh, one for you, Howard. This is from Heidi, who said, I've just finished listening to episode two, which was, of course, Biscuit Week. I was sure one of Howard's humps was going to be Amanda blowing on her biscuit toy. In these days of COVID, it made me shudder. 
Did that get on your radar even, Howard? Because you've had a lot of uh, hunts. Was that on your radar? It, it didn't get on my radar. I think it was Rowan last year, wasn't it, who who blew on something. And I did pick up that as, as a, a hump at that point. So I suppose there's only so many times you can have people blowing on things as, as a hump. But no, I, I didn't spot that. So well spotted. And this was from Sri Lanka. It doesn't say where... But um, I get the feeling it's potentially abroad. Do the British, Dan, pronounce espresso, expresso with an X? Don't get me wrong, but I love judging the land of the Queen's English and Bake Off is a wonderful place to learn. So this must be from a couple of weeks ago. We had the, well, we had the cappuccino uh, incident, but how are you ex- going for espresso, Dan? Well, it is espresso, obviously. That is the the way to say it. And I am a bit of a pedant and I do like to correct people on it quite a lot. It doesn't make people like you, but I do like to correct people. Yeah, no, a lot of people, British people do say espresso. I don't know why. I think I had to train my mother out of it. So maybe it's just the way we used to say it back in the day. I don't know. I'm with you, Dan. I'm a real pedant on that. So... <laughs> and, and Jane, another question here from Trilatha. Am I right to think that referring to your food as congealed is not a positive comment? <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Congealed sounds utterly disgusting and reminds me of cold gravy left on a plate. So uh, I think Lizzie, it was Lizzie, wasn't it, who called her something or other congealed? Yeah, don't use the word congealed. We avoid certain words, don't we? Moist is not a good one. Congealed is not uh, a good one. So, yeah, don't call it congealed. The final comment here is uh, saying that they they love you in your role of of Judge Jane. Would you consider being a judge for Drag Race UK, Jane? I think you're that good a judge, you should be uh, taking to that level. If that was a firm offer, I would absolutely love it. Please, yeah, give yes. I was I was just looking at some Drag Race stuff this morning with my early morning tea. Please, yes, top of the list. Okay, we might have to fight Dan for that role. Dan, are you uh, you putting yourself forward? Well, I'm just wondering if if Jane has the fashion chops for it. I mean, I'm loving this <laughs> this played look you've got going on today, Jane. Oh, it was... charming, <laughs> charming. Well, that's because I haven't got my concealer out like you have, Dan. I just wonder why you buy it in litre containers. I haven't done concealer yet. That was just foundation. <laughs> Well, Dessert Week, there is so much to talk about. And as we headed into Dessert Week, it was another of those moments, Howard, where Freya couldn't help but remind her that she was a vegan. I mean, it was all of about 60 seconds into the episode. And was she trying to make the point maybe that this week would be harder than than others? I mean, Aquafaba has never had such PR as it's had in the, in the Bake Off this series. I really felt for Freya this week because actually you could tell that she had been advised by people to perhaps pack it in, but she just felt that she needed to stick to her guns. It was part of her principle and she was going to go, you know, go big, go vegan or go home, I think. So of course, she did not go home. Maggie, who of course did, said, Jane, that she does not eat dessert. Yeah, she doesn't look so she eats desserts, does she? She's so slim and lovely and and I, I yeah, poor old Maggie. I, I to be honest now, I used to when I was younger, I'd go to a restaurant and I'd who was it who said, was it Chiggs or George that said, you know, they look at the dessert menu before they order. I used to do that and I'd always have two puddings. And in, in my day, because I'm very old, the, the dessert trolley used to come round and you'd spot what was on the dessert trolley. And you think, right, I'm going to have three of those and I'll choose my starter and main course um, and allowing for enough room for those. 
was it Rosie or somebody in, in maybe last year or the year before who also said they didn't do desserts? And I think it's a shame because desserts are a lovely opportunity to show off. And I think as all of us who've been on Bake Off, we are, there's a little bit of show off in us, more show off in some of us than others, I think. I love a dinner party. Let's do a dessert. My husband doesn't eat them, but I think it's a shame for Maggie, really, because I think it showed that she didn't eat desserts and didn't really do desserts. I think this was clearly not her week. I felt very sorry for her, but how can you not eat dessert, even a small bit? Dan, we were told by one of Paul or Prue, I can't quite remember which, that there are 101 reasons why meringue fails. So I thought you could just talk us through those and uh, and then we'll get back to the podcast. <laughs> 101, eh? Well, I think there's a, there's a few reasons that meringues fail. If you start whipping them too quickly, you can uh, sort of damage the protein strands and it won't reach its full volume. If you dump the sugar all on it, it will whip up eventually, but it will take about another 10 minutes to get there. So that's why we add the sugar slowly. It can collapse. A little bit of acidity will help with that. Some people add salt. I think it damage denatures the protein, so probably not a good idea. I would use um, some cream of tartar or white wine vinegar or something, or a squeeze of lemon juice maybe. Uh, the baking is very important. We go low and slow with meringues. We want to just evaporate the moisture away. We're not actually trying to sort of bake it and brown it. We just want it to dry out, basically. There are a lot of fiddly things that can go wrong. It seems very simple on the surface, but it actually is very easy to mess up. So, yeah, it's actually it's actually not the easiest thing, even though on paper it, it does look like it. Well, we are, of course, talking about this signature here where they had to make a, a pavlova and had the freedom to really put any flavour they wanted in here. Howard, let us uh, begin with analysing some of these. There were quite a few puns, weren't there? We had uh, Amanda's chocolate pavlov. We had Christelle's Pamlova in tribute to her godmother. Which ones particularly stood out to you? Oh, um, I suppose for the wrong reasons, Maggie stood out. Right from the start, I was a little bit worried when she said that I feel there's no real need to enhance things. I'm going for a traditional pavlova and you think, oh dear. But oh, Matt Maggie. said she was piling frozen fruit on top. That's a strange thing to do. I, I, I've had a look since, and, and some people do freeze fruit to put on top of a pavlova. But the idea of icy berries that you bite into, it would just feel like a frozen dessert that's not defrosted. On the positive side, oh, I, I can't say enough nice things about chigs. It was just wonderful. So it looked really, really brilliant. And he was so clever to do that ring or crown shape because it means that you've not got that centre, which is then going to potentially be very, very soggy if you start piling fillings in there. So I thought he he absolutely planned it and uh, got it really, really brilliantly. Jane, do you agree there with Howard or were there any others? I mean, obviously, Chig's getting the handshake is is the standout moment of the signature. Oh, I think so. I thought his looked absolutely beautiful. And those little chocolate things that he had that looked like leaves with holes in the middle uh, looked beautifully tempered as well I think he did a great great job I thought poor Freya's looked beautiful but again the aquafaba whenever I've tried to do aquafaba meringues they take for me forever to bake and I really don't like the flavour there's something about the flavour of them so I think looked gorgeous but are you so desperate if you're a vegan to eat meringue I, I don't know I, I don't know they looked awful I thought Christelle's looked so pretty 
absolutely gorgeous. But as I think they said, the sides were too thick. And what she had, she had a very thick ring of meringue of several levels. Not when I say thick, not deep, but wide. And the beauty of pavlova is that it is reasonably deep crispy so you get the pillowiness and plenty of filling all she had was a small bit of filling in the middle and I suspect too much slightly crunchier meringue on the outside so although it looked stunning not what I think of as a a pavlova I just want to remind everybody because I'm a bit of a show off we did a pavlova in the final we had slightly more time than they did they had two and three quarter hours and we had three hours in the final but we had to do a, a layered one and um, Candice did a stunning little sort of Victorian crown out of meringue on the top of hers and got a handshake uh, but I got a double handshake for mine so bit of a queen of the pavlova here and Paul I have to say is a pavlova freak he loves pavlova so this was definitely one of his challenges and i think he does love the pillowiness and i could see absolutely why he loved chicks because he seemed to get all those textures absolutely spot on and paul loves mango and passion fruit i think that's what he did that's one of paul's favorite flavors yeah that was a smart smart Mm. of chicks to do that and he did it all whilst being devilishly handsome which i think uh i think he absolutely deserved that handshake for yeah (laughs) There, there were two, of course, that we haven't yet spoken about. And a disclaimer here, I, I am Jewish. So I was, of course, uh, had my attention turned to, to Jürgens, who was a tribute to Passover. And I have to say, the uh, the Jewish Chronicle, uh, which is a newspaper here in the United Kingdom, could not have been more excited a couple of weeks ago when they wrote an article about Jürgens, saying that he is an occasional attendee at, uh, at a community in Brighton with his Jewish wife and, and daughter, and that was not the reason that I backed him at the start of the series. Uh, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know that as a, a pure bonus of the of the situation. But what did you make of this, Dan? Because we had we had um, matzah, which is unleavened bread, and it was covered in chocolate. And he, he used the dates to make harosa, which is a big part of the the Passover meal. And then I also want you to touch on on Lizzie, Dan, who I know you're a big fan of. Mm-hmm. And of course, she found a way to get animals referenced again with these baby lambs, didn't she? She was mentioning these rosemary on the lambs. So. What did you make of the two that were attributed to Passover and Easter? So I wasn't sure. So the matzah, when I use it, I to be honest, I mainly use it to bread fish because it's quite nice. It's got like a, a nice crunchy texture. I didn't like the sound of it. I got to be honest. I don't know. I wasn't sold on it. And I did think that the charisit paste was probably going to make it too sweet, but they seem to like it. I think with the meringue and the sweet, the sweet date paste, it would have been too much, but they said there was acidity in there. So it balanced it. But I'll trust them if they say it said nice. I'm sure it was sure it was nice. But Lizzie just, oh God, I love Lizzie so much. She's just absolutely bonkers, isn't she? And she said, like, when you think of Easter, you think of baby lambs. And I just thought, do you? I mean, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's like Easter Sunday dinner you ha- you tend to have lamb at Easter well in the UK we do anyway I don't know if it's the same in America but I think of like eggs and bunnies you know those sort of rebirth symbols not a roast lamb as part of Easter I don't know <laughs> and she's like yeah and then once it goes on a lamb rosemary I just thought it was just such a tenuous link but I uh I did enjoy it lemon and rosemary I can see those flavors work together obviously um I was slightly confused by them in a sweet dish, to be completely honest. But I think they said it looked pretty interesting, which is a 
polite British way of saying not great. Yeah, I, I think it tasted okay, but it did look like it was off a sort of a cartoon or something, didn't it? It was quite a weird colour palette. Oh, I thought the purple was gross. It looked grey <laughs> on the outside, didn't it? It really didn't do any anything oh. for it at all. I thought it They was said it, it looked like something from the Willy Wonka factory. Uh, that was uh, included in the feedback. Howard, have you ever been told any of your bakes look like they've come from the Willy Wonka factory? I think so. I think that's something for me to aim for in future, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry, can I just bring up George? Because he was going to put those spiced biscuits on the top, wasn't he? And it was, it was part going to be part of the decoration. And he actually completely wrecked, I think, his pavlova by taking it out too soon and shoving it in the proving drawer to bake these biscuits, which, let's not forget, it was a pavlova challenge, so why would you risk it? And then they weren't on the top. I think he ground them up and put yeah. them in the cream, which I think was a mistake because you lost some texture and it would have been better to have had the, maybe the biscuits and a cream. Sometimes in the tent, I think people just make choices and you just think, why? Why mm-hmm. did you do that? And that uh, George's was one of those. But this must have been one of those moments, do you not think, Dan, where, you know, there's nine of them in there. Eight of them are not using the proving drawer. It's a, it's a big risk. It's a big risk. I think that was very foolish. And it's one of those things that he will look back on and think, oh, goodness, why the heck did I do that? Um, yeah, it's not a not a smart move at all. He got it upside down, in my view. I think it would have been better off just baking a batch of biscuits first before putting his pavlova in, yeah. because um, that would have been a more sensible approach. Can we just say something about Giuseppe? Because, you know, he is my very favourite. I was so worried about the way he was baking that. You don't want to colour it at all. You don't want to get any colour in there. So you do want it low and slow. And it does depend on how thick it's going to be. He went in for 75 minutes at 120. Now, 75 minutes, I think, is quite a long time for a pavlova. And maybe that long, very, very slow baking gave him that problem of it separating the, the outside. You could have peeled the outside off like a shell, couldn't you? For me, it's an hour, like Paul said, probably at 120, 130. You know your oven. It's very oven dependent um, for an hour. And then if you can, leave it for an hour. And if you want to hurry it up, do what, what, what I kind of did and stick a wooden spoon in to let it cool down. I think it was Christelle, wasn't it? To let it cool down a little faster, but not too fast. Um, so I didn't like his baking technique. So don't do that at home, folks. I think that caused a separation problem for him. I don't think it was necessarily underbaked. I just think he dried. I don't know what he did, but I don't think it worked. So don't do that one, guys. Did you think Prue was being a little bit vicious this week in some of her critiques? I think with George, she just said she just went, oh, that's awful. (laughs) (laughs) I just she just seemed a little harsh. I don't know. They did seem like they did seem like they were gunning for Freya a little bit this week. I just felt that they were quite harsh. But I thought Freya's was really pretty. I think what she'd done there was she'd striped the inside of the piping bag with food colouring and just mm. piped a plain rang through it and had given it a very sort of delicate light striping. And I thought that was really pretty. And it's a shame that the aquafaba made things difficult for her because I thought she could have really been onto something there. You know, aquafaba doesn't hold. That's what she said. That's what came true. That was in the feedback and uh, it came to fruition. Let's move on to this technical challenge. It's something that we've definitely seen at Bake With A Legend and done classes, a sticky toffee pudding, four individual sticky toffee puddings. Uh, Howard, there is nowhere else to start on this one. 
than Maggie's because uh, you wouldn't have quite known what it was uh, when she presented it. Is that fair to say? I think, yeah, I think last week we kind of saw a preview of this and I thought, what is that? That I couldn't even work out what the technical might be, judging by what she put put on her bench. So, yeah, I think um, it, oh, it was oh, I really felt for her. But uh, another lesson for anybody going in the Bake Off tent, just turn your piece of paper over. If it says add the flower on the other side, just make sure you've done that. But do you think she should have had enough intuition, Dan, that where's the flower here? Like, I get it. Like, I get And it's obviously like you had to turn over the paper because there was that moment where Chiggs went, did you not turn it over? And so it obviously maybe he nearly hadn't. But should there be enough intuition at this stage, Dan? I'd hope so. I mean, one of our favourite things to say as bakers is just follow the recipe. But I think like once you've been baking long enough, you have a good idea of you know what ingredients are performing what function. And I think th- the idea that you wouldn't need flour in in a cake bag like that should have set off alarm bells immediately. So I'm very surprised. But then I made really dumb mistakes in the tent. So I'm not I'm not saying you know that it's unprecedented but um yeah it's very surprising that she left out the flower altogether but I have to say when she turned those out I was absolutely screaming it's just I was cackling with laughter they looked absolutely awful they looked like the saddest burnt pancakes I've ever seen my heart broke for her but uh I love how honest Maggie is and she's sort of at least she's self-aware and she sort of said you know I'm sure everyone at home is feeling very sorry for me right now (laughs) I just thought yeah we are but what a mistake to make her you know it's uh, yeah, I can't believe she forgot the flower. It's never a good moment when you know the judges don't even taste what you what you've put mm. in front of them. I think it was it was fairly obvious she was going to come uh, bottom in the technical. But Jane, let, let's talk about the positives here in terms of what we saw in making this uh, delightful dessert. Are you a, a frequent sticky toffee maker, Jane yourself? No, I'm not. I do no, not at all. Actually, I think our old friend Andrew Smith actually makes cracking sticky toffee pudding. No, we don't have puddings terribly often. And when we do, I tend to make a, I think I've talked about it in the last series. We have something that my brother used to and still does called a good pud, which is a treacle, steamed treacle pudding. We tend to steam them rather than bake them, to be honest. You can't go wrong with a steamed pudding. No, I'm not. But I know you wanted to focus on the positives. You tell (laughs) us what you want to concentrate (laughs) on. I know the tent has funny effects on people and we all panic and Lord knows I had my disasters, but my goodness, they should have all been able to bake a pudding, shouldn't they? I was shocked at how few of them actually managed to get it baked. How long did they bake them for? I mean, you're going to stick it. It's going to take longer than a cupcake and you know your cupcake's probably going to take your a large cupcake what do you if you stick it in a muffin thing it's going to take you 15 minutes this is going to take longer it's full of all sorts of thick gooey stuff what 20 25 minutes maybe even 30 minutes how did they all get it raw i just don't understand how they got it raw they may well have run out of time because they had the caramel to make and if i'd been making the caramel if you got they you put it in the bottom of the tin before you put your cake mixture in and then and then bake it. So they had their caramel to make, and I obviously had terrible caramel issues when I was in the tent. So maybe maybe that held them up, and then they felt that they didn't have enough time, and then they had to get the twill done. It, it, I'm sure it was a timing issue, but I'd, I was shocked at how, how few of them got it. I have to agree with you, because in the feedback, let's say, that uh, Christelle got, I mean, she was told hers was raw, 
underbaked. She came fifth. I mean, which, which tells you what was going on, wasn't it? I mean, for Freya in six, hers was called a disaster, and yet there were three people worse than her. So it, it wasn't great, Dan, overall. But maybe, Dan, focus on the positives here. Jürgen, Lizzie, and Chiggs, they were at the top. Yeah, I would say uh, more than half of them were bad, weren't they? So uh, it was a, a, a select few at the top. Um, I was... I uh, Chiggs... I felt sorry for Chiggs, actually, because... Everything was good apart from the caramel that was like concrete, wasn't it? Uh, it was uh, it was a real shame because I think everything else that he did was brilliant. But Lizzie and Jürgen, Jürgen's always delivering on the technical side of things. I have to say, I, on the subject of Jürgen, I don't know if this is me or anyone else, but Jürgen's doing so well that now I kind of, I love an underdog. So I, even though he's doing brilliantly, I kind of can't get behind him because he's doing too well. Do you know, does anyone else feel like this? Is this, is or are you, well, you're probably pulling for Giuseppe, aren't you, Jane? I'm definitely pulling um, for Giuseppe. But again, he had a stodgy one, didn't he? Feel pardon the expression. Now I have nothing else to say about this challenge. I just put my head in my hands and think, Oh dear, that's not great. Especially when Paul had said somewhere these are the best egg bakers or something. And, 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 and yes, they are. But why make twills with them? Why make twills? Mm-hmm. They had plenty of time, didn't they, to make their custard and their toffee sauce. Why make a twill as well? I thought they made it really hard to be shoving all that in in one challenge in 90 minutes. No, I didn't like this challenge at all, I'm afraid. Made me quite, not that I'm very grumpy very often, as, as you all well know, um, but it may be a little grumpy. Just a, a little grumpy. I mean, I can back up what you said there, Jane, about Andrew making a terrific sticky toffee pudding. That has been one of our most popular uh, virtual classes that we've done ever, really, actually, uh, right up there. So, um, and I'm sure he will he will come back and, and do them again. Talking of Andrew, he is back doing a, a class, actually, uh, this weekend coming. He is doing his uh, Madeleines and Biscotti class. So I uh, hope you can join us then if you'd like to. Howard, are you doing your, your Dacqua this weekend? Is that right? Yeah, isn't it strange how we, we sort of planned for a sort of dessert this week? Dacquas, and it's, uh, yeah, it's up there in dessert week. So completely by chance, but quite quite nice coincidence, really. Absolutely. Well, there are just a couple of places left for that if you do want to check that out. So let's move on to the showstopper. Four hours, 30 minutes here, Jane, to make a celebratory jacon. It's going to be multi-layered, have a jacon collar. We were looking for things that were going to be highly decorative. Um, wow. I mean, uh, there was a lot of opportunity to, to be creative here. So where would you like to start, Jane? So much to say about this. It's a great challenge, wasn't it? And Typical of Bake Off, it looked like a very hot, sunny day outside. And there they are trying to get things with gelatine setting. Um, Absolute classic. Well, we, in our dessert week, had to make mini mousse cakes. Um, But we had to do two types. But the advantage we had is they were smaller. So they given them a bit of a chance to set. I made one of these imprinted sponges for one of mine as well. Um, And I used a... I didn't pipe for mine. I had a stencil and pushed my decal paste through that and then froze it. And it worked quite well, I thought, for, for mine. All I would say about it is the problem with doing these imprinted sponges, and Giuseppe, you saw the problem with Giuseppe, is you pipe on whatever paste it is that you're using 
And then you have to freeze it so that you can get the actual cake mixture, the chicken spun mixture on the top without smudging it. And what can happen is it can set like this little sort of hard-ish layer, the piped stuff, and then it can stick or ping off. And I think it's it's quite hard to get it to sit there, be pleasant to eat and not fall off your sponge. But I would say most of them achieved it really quite well. Um, and as we saw, you know, the baking of it is quite hard. You have to get it bang on right, because if you let it cool too much, you can't wrap it. And if you don't cook it enough, then you can't get it off the paper. So really tricky but lovely challenge, I thought. It made me want to make one, to be honest. So maybe I will. Well, I don't think I'll be making one because I'm not sure I've got the uh, talent to do so. Howard, are you more likely to be inspired to do a bake by a crime scene or by a bathroom tile? Which one is would get you more likely to get going? I've got a bit of an interior design background, so definitely the bathroom tile is, is the one that you know would attract me. Poor Amanda. Sometimes all you can do when something has gone wrong like that is just try and be humorous about it. I thought her design was actually quite nice. I thought it almost looked a little bit like a bit of embroidery or a tattoo or something like that. So I, I quite like the snake and the uh, the apple. But yeah, Chigs' bathroom tiles were, were great. I loved that. Right, Dan, talk to us about someone we haven't yet uh, spoken about potentially. Jürgen writing music. Have you ever written music on your cake? I thought that was very impressive. Yeah, I think Jürgen's was really impressive. And honestly, that was asking for trouble because you have to obviously, you know, you have to write the whole thing backwards. Uh, the music is obviously quite detailed and precise. And if any of that gets stuck on the paper and left on the paper, your your whole look is ruined. So I thought it was incredibly brave of him. It did. I think he pulled it off very admirably. I don't know. I wasn't sold on some of those flavours. I don't, for some reason, and this you'll find this hard to believe, Josh, but I don't really like too much sort of alcoholy flavours in bakes. So that didn't particularly appeal to me, but the look of it was lovely. And I think the fact that he had the jelly on top with the, the strawberries sort of in profile, I thought that looked beautiful. Well, actually, George has stuck out to me as well. I love the fact that he had an entire peanut layer in there. I just thought, <laughs> what were you thinking? It's just because, obviously, if it's not at the bottom, it's just going to, you know, as you try and cut it, it's going to collapse the other layers beneath it. And it just seemed way, way, way too firm. And I'm just, it's one of those things where I'm like, I sort of wonder if he actually sort of tried it or tested it out on people. Unfortunately, when you show people you're baking, they do tend to just say, oh yeah, that's really nice, rather than actually being truthful about how they feel about it. Because people are usually grateful that you've baked for them in the first place. So I wondered who told him that was a good idea, or maybe he just thought it was a good idea. Maybe uh, it was Giuseppe told him it was a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> <Maybe>. Or Jürgen. <laughs> uh, the other person who, who stood out to me, maybe in not such a good way, was Freya. I thought it was a really good idea to use the tofu to give it a nice set texture. That definitely works very well. But when they cut into that one, it just looked really dry. Just really, really crumbly and dry. And as soon as they cut it, I, I thought that's not going to taste good. Because, you know, if, if no matter how good the flavours are, if the texture's bad, it's really hard to enjoy something, isn't it? So, yeah, poor, poor Alfred, that was a bit of a disaster. But I enjoyed her self-delusion after judging. Uh, I live for that kind of thing. Uh, she said, it's not that I don't agree. It's just that I don't really agree. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I'm like that's that's sort of my level of like I'm not saying you're wrong, but I am definitely right. So yeah, bless her. But yeah, that was that was a that was not a great one from Freya. To do a mousse, have you ever tried to do something with it? I'm assuming it was a silken tofu, which I've mm. used for a chocolate dessert for vegan, and it it works brilliantly and it does set well, but it sets really like a almost like a ganache. I think Paul said that actually, and I wonder if she could have folded in a bit of Italian meringue using her aquafaba again just to get some air and to lighten that a little bit so it wasn't such a solid texture I I don't know what you would do I really don't cook vegan stuff very often because it's so hard I think eggs are eggs are magic they really are magic and if you if you don't have eggs you're really up against it and okay the aquafaba is okay for egg whites but um, you know the, the egg yolk as well has does things and has a function and gives you that silkiness and you are so up against it if you don't have eggs, and uh, there's every reason in the world to be vegan, sure. But you know, especially in something like dessert week, you're you're gonna you're up against it. We saw Lizzie go for the uh, Liverpool skyline. How would were you ever tempted to try and get the Sheffield skyline on any of your bakes when you were in Bake Off? I didn't take that approach of, of sort of trying to to press where I was from very much. I thought her Liverpool skyline was really nice. Actually, I thought she did a really good job. I was confused though by Maggie's. Because hers was called Paris Skyline. And it's like, well, it's just strawberries. So I don't know whether she'd initially thought that she was going to create this wonderful Paris Skyline or whether she was off on a little trip of her own and thought when you slice into it, it looks like the sun setting over the Seine or something. But I thought... Now I can't see a Paris skyline in here, Maggie. I wrote that down, Paris skyline, but it didn't occur to me. (laughs) There was nothing to do with Paris in it. (laughs) Was this the most obvious week we've had so far for who was going home? Was there any debate as we come to Judge Jane? Was there any doubt in your mind who was going home, Jane? Oh, absolutely not. There was no way she could have pulled that back. I mean, she didn't okay signature but it was okay that awful disaster on the technical and then honestly she hadn't really followed the brief she hadn't got more than one element you really can't count a coolie that's just a oh let's add a coolie at the end isn't it really and it hadn't set I mean poor Maggie though I saw absolutely no way back for her and to be honest I thought it was time to, uh, you know, everybody else is experimenting with flavours, whether you like them or not, and trying to make things a little bit more exciting and put a twist on them. And it was as though Maggie had almost run out of ideas. And I absolutely loved her. She seems like a fabulous lady. I really do like her. And she was always so chirpy and smiley and took it all but she had to go, didn't she? Yes, I shall miss you, but it was definitely her time. Now, Dan, I mean, she said herself that she felt the feedback she'd got had been more than kind. Was that the case? I think, yeah, as Jane says, I don't want to be too harsh about it, but it was kind of time. The previous week, she'd sort of been right down there, and I think they wanted her to pick up her ideas a bit and do something a little bit more challenging, and she was seemed very determined to go very traditional and a little basic. But as she said uh, herself, you know, you might as well go out with a bang, 
you know, sort of three bit sad bakes. Leave no doubt in the viewer's mind that it was your, it was your turn, maybe. Uh, I resonate with that as well. I like to consider myself the Kurt Cobain of Bake Off. Just shine bright and then just, you know, leave no doubt in their mind that it's your time. Fair play to Maggie. She knew it was her time and she took it very graciously. But yeah, I think it, there's, there was no other choice really, was there? Howard, a final word on, on Maggie's departure then? You, you're sad to see her leave? Yeah, I think obviously when they, when they when people apply, they're obviously looking for a mix of personalities and they've got a really good mix this year. I think Maggie is someone who enjoys baking. I don't think that really she came across very much as a competitive baker. I hope that she will go on continuing to enjoy baking and to share her baking with other people. Yeah, absolutely. And Jane, we we come back to you to talk about the star baker. And it is just remarkable that Chicks was not baking pre-lockdown in in any serious way. And and now here he is, week four of Bake Off Dessert Week, and he's star baker. Oh, my goodness me. I mean, he's only baking a year to, to... To pull that off was astounding, absolutely astounding. And again, tempered chocolate. He had that lovely little sort of lacy roll on the top. No fuss. We didn't get a lot of fuss about all this chocolate tempering. I'm not sure I would have based my design on bathroom tiles. And if he hadn't said that, I would have just thought it was a nice design. What did Prue say? I don't much like Black Forest. I don't know. I have to question her taste because what's not to like Black Forest? Don't like Black Forest, but love that. And I think it summed it up. The different layers, the fact that he did two tiers. Oh, I mean, they couldn't. I don't think there was another star baker. Their chicks had it all the way. And he's so lovely. He has such a wonderful smile as well, doesn't he? Really cheeky face i like chicks a lot you're a fan of chicks as well dan aren't you you must have been pleased to see him <laughs> no i do like chicks he's just he's uh he's got a nice personality he's a very sort of happy-go-lucky kind of guy and uh yeah it was very satisfying to see him win this week and as i said sometimes when you're less experienced you don't overthink things so much and you just sort of focus on what you can do but there was actually a lot of elements there the temper chocolate is quite risky i mean they did have four and a half hours I believe, but it's still, it's temper chocolate is always a, a bit of a struggle. People do panic about it and get it wrong in the tent a lot. So yeah, it was genuinely impressive. It wasn't, uh, you know, he didn't win by default. He absolutely earned that. He got the handshake. Um, he did well in the technical despite his solid caramel. And definitely when people ask me for advice on Bake Off, I always say fulfill the minimum requirements of the brief. And for him to do a two tier as well, I thought was when he said he was going to do it, I was like, that's wild. But he pulled it off really, really admirably. He absolutely did. Congrats to Chiggs. Unbelievable achievement after baking for yeah, a little over a year. Now, Howard, of course, we will not leave the podcast without hearing a Howard's hump. So we're all intrigued to see what you've got from this week's episode. Do you know, I can't believe I've not picked up on, on this before, to be honest. So this was the exaggerated demonstration. And it's, it, I have to say, Paul is the culprit of this. So Prue regularly will say something like, it's a little stodgy. And Paul has to prod and pummel it to show very clearly to the viewers that it is stodgy. He prized away that crisp shell of a pavlova. There's no cracker that's not too hard to need banging. It must be banged on a table to show that it's hard. You know, it's like sometimes words are enough, Paul. You don't need to do the theatrical gesture every time. Well, what a uh, <laughs> thorough reasoned 
argument that Howard has made to conclude this week's podcast. We are four episodes down, just six to go. And have we all seen, of course, it's German week next week. You excited for German week, Dan? Well, we saw that Giuseppe did very well in sort of the Italian-themed bread week. So if Jürgen doesn't absolutely smash this, he's going to bring shame upon his homeland. Yeah, this it's going to be interesting. I feel like the pressure's on for, for Jürgen next week. And I don't know how long he can continue to be brilliant. So uh, we shall see. We shall see. Yeah, we absolutely Absolutely, uh, shall see. We will see if he can pull any references to other Jewish festivals into his bakes. That's what I'll be keeping an eye out for as we go forward for the rest of the series. A huge thank you to Dan, to Howard and to Jane for joining us. We really would love to see you online for classes soon. Do check out bakewithlegend.com forward slash online classes. Dan, you've got this beautiful Princess Tata. We're all looking forward to that in just over a week's time and then also coming back in December. And I know that took you three months of planning. We look forward to seeing as many people as possible there. Thank you. That's all for this week. And we will be back with another podcast next Wednesday. just heard a stripped media production. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.